the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Maybe Randy Moss should have worn a bow tie. Well, Randy decided to wear a regular tie with a list of names on it to his Hall of Fame induction. And right here on the John Stockerwald show, maybe the only place you're going to hear the wonderfulness of that decision questioned. If you Google Randy Moss tie, well, I did, and uh, here are some of the links you'll see. Um, Randy Moss's Hall of Fame necktie commemorates victims of police brutality. That's on Deadspin. Uh, Randy Moss wears tie with names of police brutality victims during Hall of Fame induction. That's from The Hill. Randy Moss goes with statement tie at Hall of Fame induction. Newser. Randy Moss wears tie honoring victims of police shooting. Randy Moss, uh, that was uh, Vibe. Randy Moss makes a statement with his uh, tie at the Hall of Fame. That's pro football talk. Randy Moss wears a tie with names of police shooting victims at the Hall of Fame, the Boston Globe. Randy Moss attends his Hall of Fame ceremony wearing a tie that honors African Americans killed by police. That's CNN.com. I'm just going down the list here as it appears on Google. Randy Moss wears tie at Hall of Fame ceremony that honors black men and women killed in police shootings. That's CBSSports.com. I think you get the picture. And as you would expect from the 95% liberal sports media, lots of slobbering and not a lot of attention to detail there. Uh, Michael's, Michael Brown's name is on the list. He's the kid from Ferguson, Missouri. The United States Justice Department, headed by a black attorney general, appointed by a black president, said that there was no police brutality, that Brown tried to grab the cop's gun before he was shot. The cop was exonerated. Freddie Gray made the list. All the charges against the Baltimore cops in that one three of whom were black, were dropped. By the way, the judge was black. Akil Denkin's name was on this tie. The investigation showed that he was armed with a loaded thirty-eight. He also tried to grab the cop's gun before he was shot. No charges in that one. Akai Gurley was killed by an Asian cop. It was called an accident, and the cop was convicted of negligent homicide and was um, no jail time or anything. Tamir Rice, this was a tough one. He's a 12-year-old kid with a toy gun. Somebody called 9-11 and said someone was pointing a gun at people. The caller eventually said it was probably a fake gun and it was probably a juvenile, but the dispatcher never gave that information to the cops. They saw the kid draw a gun, the cops did, and they shot him. Not because he was black. It should have never happened. A grand jury was convened and decided not to indict. Now, no need to go into every name on the list here. and There, there may be some, I'm sure there are some that are, are legitimate, but the point is that nobody in the media seems to be willing to question it. Moss meant well, and it was, you know, I think it was a, a well thought out, low key gesture. And he probably, uh, he, 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 he actually legitimately believes that every name on his tie represented someone who was unfairly brutalized by a white cop because he was black. And that's just not true. And you can thank the media for that. And when he was asked about the uh, tie during a, a press conference, Moss said, well, we all know what's going on. Obviously, Moss doesn't know what's going on based on the names on the list. Or he knows, and he's being completely dishonest about it. So, you know, you would expect someone in the sports media to point out the mistakes or at least to point out that it should be clarified, that it's not just victims of police brutality. It's, that's not what it is. That's not what the list is comprised of. Maybe someone has pointed it out. I just haven't seen it. And speaking of the media, have you noticed that uh, Donald Trump and a large portion of them don't get along? Uh, maybe you've noticed that. Uh, he likes to throw the term fake news out there a lot. Maybe you've heard him say that once or twice. And that has hurt a lot of feelings out there. Uh, most of the media would have you believe that President Trump thinks it's all uh, fake and doesn't like the First Amendment. But that's because the people he accuses of, of distributing fake news would have you believe that. He believes fake news is the enemy of the people. Fake news, not news. 
misleading or false reporting by media outlets with an agenda, and he's right about that. That is, the, the, if, the, if they're out there purposely per, uh, printing false news, that's, 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 that's your enemy. It's not good. Whether the news outlet is reporting on North Korea or if it's a, a dog bite, it's the enemy if it's purposely slanting the reporting because of some kind of an agenda. And if you listen to most of the media, you would get the impression that no president has ever been as hostile to or as uncooperative with the media as Donald Trump has been. That, of course, is ridiculous. And when we come back, we're going to show you how wrong that is. One thing I loved about working with him, we got to pray with our patients, and I could do that without feeling like I was going to get in trouble. At the Medicine Shops in Oakmont and Penn Hills, nurse practitioner Joyce Gibb continues the legacy of pharmacist, mentor, and friend Joe DiMatteo. And many people, you cannot cure them or make them truly get well if they have something down deep that they haven't ever addressed. Stress affects your whole body. Like when I get stressed, I have between my shoulder blades, my muscles get tight. Some people, it's GI. Some people, it can be a rash. Some people, they're immune system is down. So we address that too. But you have to address the root causing that stress for them to truly heal. One of the things I'm very humbled by is that many of the people that Joe and I saw together, they're still coming to see me. And I just really appreciate that. And I'm going to try to have the same empathy and love and caring that he had. I just love it. It's my dream job. It's what I've always wanted to do. Every day is different because not everybody's the same. Call for a consultation today. 888-865-9595. Obamacare, Trump Care, ACA, COBRA. There are so many choices, but all seem to bring one word to mind. Expensive. There are lots of changes happening in healthcare today. Fortunately, I know someone that has been on the forefront of health insurance for years. Todd Marley at Marley Financial. Todd and his team of professionals are licensed with virtually every healthcare provider in the country. They help determine which plan is right for you and then expertly help you choose the best plan for your needs and then do so prudently. Don't need maternity coverage? Call Marley Financial. Have pre-existing conditions? Call Marley Financial. Want just catastrophic or just accident? You know the answer. Worried about the penalty? All of Marley Financial plans are penalty exempt because they know how to design the plans. Most of their clients save 30 to 60%, which can add up to several thousand dollars a year. Call Todd at Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. That's 724-884-1496 on the web at MarleyFG.com. You know the moment. The homework and dishes are done. Your family responsibilities have been met. The shoes slip off and you lay back. It's that end of day. (sighs) That's the relief you'll feel when you rest on the body-comforting orthopedic made locally at the Original Mattress Factory. Relief from middleman markups and a hard day's work. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made. Honestly priced. OriginalMattress.com Selling mattresses the traditional way isn't the best way. Most are made in a large factory and shipped hundreds of miles to a retailer's warehouse, where the retailer then marks them up and up before finally selling and delivering them. At the Original Mattress Factory, we take a straightforward approach. We have eliminated the extra steps and created a direct line from our factory to you, saving you hundreds of dollars. So experience more than just the mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. Don't pay double for your next home improvement project. Many companies are simply asking too much for windows, siding, and doors. You need at least three estimates. Just make sure Windows R Us is one of them. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us is more than a window company. They're the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofing, siding, doors, gutters, even shutters and downspouts. You'll love their no-pressure sales approach, straightforward menu-style pricing, and the absolute fastest turnaround in the business. Windows R Us offers multiple financing options and will match any competitor's price. No hidden costs or final invoice surprises ever. And there are no loophole full lifetime warranty covers everything, including labor and glass breakage at no additional charge. Mention AM 1250 and get an exclusive 10% discount for listeners of this station only. Why pay double? Before you buy, visit windowsruspittsburgh.com. They're more than a window company. They're the area's premier exterior replacement company. windowsruspittsburgh.com. This is the John Stacker Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, you know, the battle between uh, President Trump and uh, the media has actually gotten kind of boring. Um, you know, too predictable. 
the outlets that he likes uh, to criticize keep giving him ammunition every day by misreporting, underreporting, or falsely reporting stories about him. And his administration, uh, you know, they just – so he gives they give him ammunition. And he calls them out, and then their feelings get hurt, and then they declare the end of the First Amendment. Lots of people in the media apparently need a history lesson, and D.C. McCall- McAllister – has one for them at the Federalist. She's with us now. Thanks for being here, D.C. Thanks for having me. So lots of people out there uh, think that Thomas Jefferson and uh, maybe a few other founders have been spinning in their graves because of Donald Trump's attacks on the media. Would it be better or more accurate to say that they would understand? Most presidents would understand. Uh, What people don't get is that there has been an ongoing war between presidents and the press since the very first president, and especially the second president, with John Adams with the alien and sedition laws and trying to put reporters behind bars for whatever they had to say in print. And at the very beginning, we had this partisan press. I mean, actually, candidates had their own newspapers that were mouthpieces. And there's been various presidents throughout history who have been downright hostile to the press, locking them out, not taking their questions, detaining them. Lincoln was probably our worst. Lincoln? What, what, yes. was, what was so bad about Lincoln? <laughs> Abraham Lincoln has a very interesting relation, had a very <laughs> interesting relationship with the press. He, uh, at first, when he was president, he would write anonymous um, articles for the press to uh, to give his, his viewpoints and get his message out. So he wanted to talk directly to the people, and so he would bypass the reporters and write his own stuff for newspapers. He also bought his own newspaper. He would also pay off editors and reporters to get his his message out. And he, would, he did this. He would give them ambassadorships. He would give them government positions. And then later on, especially when he got closer to the war, he would actually detain journalists and intimidate them when they didn't do what he wanted to do and say what he wanted to say because he wanted to be in complete control of the message. Well, you know, and he was probably one of our worst. Well, hey, that that sounds like some that that's enough to get people to go uh, um, demand that the Lincoln Memorial be taken down. <laughs> well, he seemed to um, survive it unscathed. He he would hide things and. Uh, people seem to be more, a lot more tolerant of him and his appropriate of, of how he handled the press. But it's just, I don't know how he survived it in history, I guess, because of his victory in the war and everything, and people are forgiving. They also have short-term memories. We don't talk about it that much. Right. But, you know, JFK also, he had, he had a, they had both a love affair with the press as well as a hatred. They said that he was like Hitler come back when he wouldn't give over information about foreign engagements. And they, they said he was hiding um very important news items from the public. And Theodore Roosevelt, he's the one who turned, um, coined the term muck, muckbreakers. Yep. Uh, because they were just nasty. He hated them. <laughs> yeah. Thomas Jefferson also really hated the press, but he chose not to speak out against them and said he wrote letters to his friends that were published later, just how he just excoriated the press, thought they were terrible. But he believed solely in the freedom of the press. And so a lot of these presidents, Nixon was another one who was terrible, too. He just, he would not even let some reporters into the halls of the White House. But they, they can't even come in. The Washington Post don't even let them in. And uh, so, there, like I said, there's been this war, but some presidents were really hostile, even to the freedom of the press. But a lot of presidents were for freedom of the press, but they manipulated the press. They shut out the press. They lied to the press. They definitely berated the press. So really, Trump is right in line with a whole lot of presidents, not excusing hostile behavior in, in terms, but it's definitely not unprecedented. Well, do you and we th- survived. Yeah. We survived. Do you think that, um, that Trump is suffering, if that's the right word, more uh, and getting more criticism being attacked more by the unsympathetic media, which is about 90% of them out there, because of who he followed? Um, Barack Obama, I know you write that he wasn't perfect either when it comes to his dealings with the press, but you know there was no there was no blatant criticism of the press uh, from Obama the way you get it every day from Trump. So is, he, is it is it because of the comparison with you know Obama looks like the uh, the most gentle, understanding, calm person you could want to, to deal with the media compared to the guy we got now. 
Yeah, well, though, remember how he talked about Fox News and yeah. how he talked about talk radio? So it really depends on who is he attacking. Think about who's complaining right now. Who are the hyenas out there whining about this? It's the very liberal press. It's the ones who did have it easy mm-hmm. under Barack Obama. And so because they, they you know live in the same time period, they experience such ease and favoritism under the previous president, and now they don't. And so they're, they're pitching a fit, basically. But you don't hear it from the conservative ones because... You know, they're, they're not getting it from Trump as much as these others. But, you know, also that the press brings it upon themselves because they're not being honest about their bias. Right. And that's one thing that when you read history, especially before the progressive era, before big newspapers with Hearst um, and others, is that it was very partisan. It was just blatantly so. Some newspapers just represented, you know, the Federalists or the Anti-Federalists, the Republicans, whatever, the Whigs. And they stood there and they said, this is what we stand for. These are our candidates. You know, editors would run for office and they would pay, you know, hire their rep- reporters to do their press. And, you know, and they would lie about the other candidates and, and leak news to other candidates. Well, there's, there's no way of... Thing. Go, sorry, go ahead. No, I was say, that's another thing Lincoln would do is he would leak out lots of information to control the narrative as he wanted it to the press all throughout his presidency. I'm wondering, I mean, there's nobody alive to, that we can ask, and I don't know if anybody's written about it. Anybody from that era has written anything that explains it, but I would, I'm, I'm going to assume that the people understood that. I'm talking about the, the, the non-politicians and the non-media, the, the average uh, person out there, the voter, the, the citizen – they must have understood that that you just had to you had to take uh, for granted that what you were reading was a biased report from somebody who was in favor of the of one candidate or against another, and you just had to you pick your your um, your outlets and then mm-hmm. believe it or not believe it based on who you think was writing it. It's just they would have to, wouldn't they? Yes, they did, and, and there has been people who have written on this, and yes, the, the public very much understood this. They understood, and there and. There were a lot of newspapers. There were there were pamphlets. There were dailies. There were there were all kinds of newspapers. It was all print. They of course didn't have the, the other media that we have. That's a dailyish to our senses on a daily basis. But they did have a lot of newspapers for that time period. And and like I said, pamphleteers. And that's why they just saw it as one big foray, a fray, if you if you will of getting information out there and fighting for it and learning and, and taking personal responsibility for being able to decide what's true and what's not true. And um, that's why Thomas Jefferson said, he goes, I wish we had newspapers where they had four sections. And one section was just pure reporting and you knew it. <laughs> so you could just rely on that. And then you had opinion and then you had these other parts. But you just had to work at it. And the people knew they had to work at it. And some of them didn't care. They just wanted to do their bias and their propaganda to get their own message out. And it was just a fight in the public square about information. But that's what freedom of information actually looks like. It's individual freedom. If you can think of all the newspapers and outlets as as individuals, they all have a voice. And so they have the right to speak. And they're all speaking, but they're not all going to be saying the same thing. And, of course, politicians are going to side with certain people, and they always have. This is what the free press looks like. It should look like. Let me tell you, if you hear the free the press speaking in solidarity and everyone saying this press, the press is all true, you do not have a free press. Someone is in control of that, and you should be concerned. Yeah, I think you wrote about that. Uh, that there was a discussion about that. Uh, someone from CNN saying that we need to band together against Donald Trump, and that's the, uh, that's the worst thing that could happen. No, I'm horrified. No, I don't want CNN, Fox News, ABC, and all them, all these reporters in the big cabal banding together against the president. No, I, w- I want all of those news agencies competing against each other, preferably for the truth. You know, right. but you know, again, you're going to have subjectivism brought into this objectivity, and and it's a mix. And but they need to be all competing for the to be the most ones with most integrity, with the best information, and convincing the public of their viewpoint. And, you know, this is what, again, the free press looks like. And if it's solid, if it's all solidarity, you've got a problem. Talking to D.C. McAllister of The Federalist, uh, it's a good, good um, piece you have up on there about uh, the media. And I think a lot of the people in the media, which you wouldn't think they would be this um, uh, ignorant about it, but th- th- you think they'd be aware that this is not the first time it's happened in American history, that a president has lashed out against the media or has said that he's not going to take it 
just on face value what they say, and he's not going to put up with criticism if he doesn't think it's correct or fair. But they don't. They don't seem to. They seem to think this is the first time it's happened. Or, or are they? Are they being disingenuous about that too? No, I think you have both. I mean, you definitely have some ignorant people out there. Journalists aren't the smartest people in the world all the time. <laughs> I'm saying that as one. Uh, you, you, so you have some people who just don't know their history, but you do have a whole lot of people who do know their history. They know very well what they're doing. They're playing the bias game. They're playing the manipulation game. They're saying they stand for truth and that they're these paragons of virtue and truth, but they're not. They're biased. And instead of saying we're biased and that we're at war with this idiot, this, um, principles that are coming from this president or this ideology on this president, they pretend that they're just virtuous and then they get offended when it's challenged. But they, they know what they're doing. They know it's, it's a game. They know that they're fighting with the president and, and they're trying to get their own message out and their own bias out. They're also very proud that the journalists ever since, again, the progressive era, and especially with Watergate, have this really haughty view of themselves. Mm-hmm. They, think, they, think, they really do think they know everything. And that they are just, like I said, the arbiters of truth for everybody. And you almost have to bow down and worship them. And, you know, it's, so they have this attitude about how dare you talk to me this way. So there's an elitist attitude that's in the media now that just needs to be eradicated because they're not elitist. They just need to compete about information like they did in the past, and we'd be a whole lot better for it. I think that's what annoys me and, and, and annoys a lot of people is that it's not just that they're biased. But they try to sell the idea that they don't know they're biased, or that they're they're uh, they act shocked when anybody accuses them of having some kind of bias. They all like to sell themselves, and this is on both sides as you know, straight mm-hmm. reporters, and it, it's just not happening that way. No, it's not. And I mean, you can get closer to the truth and more objectivity, like I said, just pure pure reporting facts. But even that's going to have some subjectivity to it. But this kind of political commentary we have where the opinion pages bleed into the news pages and uh, we can't really dis- distinguish you know fact from fiction because everyone has their their bias and the propaganda that they're bringing to it uh you know they just they want to say that they're standing for truth but they're really not so uh, the press really needs to take a long hard look in the mirror exactly who they are and who we want it to be and what a free press actually looked like because this whole blaming trump of uh, oppressing the press is is just a manipulation on their part to be able to malign the president, and it's it's false. You know, unless he's making laws that actually shuts them down and controls them, or he has some state media takeover, he's just acting like all the other presidents throughout American history. Some better, some worse. So deal with it. Um, yeah, deal with it. <laughs> I, I think I think a lot of the problem comes from uh, doing the press conferences live on television. People are performing. Yeah. Well, you know, the irony of that is when um, Kennedy first started doing the press conferences on television, the press hated it. They just hated it. They just thought it was not fair. They didn't think that they were getting anything real from, from the people who were speaking because they saw it as a show. So back then, they just thought that that would be the, the end of the press, a free press would be television itself. But now they're using it to their advantage. Well, you know, I did sports for a long time, still do. And they started televising the uh, the Steelers head coach press conferences live on Tuesdays at uh, noon, and they stink because they're live mm-hmm. for the same reason. You've got one minute to go. No, it's terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. What's made it very shallow has made it very materialistic. It's very visual oriented instead of people actually listening to what's going on and and reading and listening to what is being said instead it's just a show yeah and, he, and that's what we have a lot of the time and he says nothing hey hey uh dc dc i appreciate you being on great piece and uh, great stuff today thanks thank you okay that's dc McAllister, the federalist uh, you should go to the federalist.com because i'm going to have a, a lot of people on to uh on this show because they every day i see something i'd like to have someone come on the radio and talk about we just did it and we will be back we're going to talk about college football and Academics, that's an ugly scene.
With SRN News, I'm Val Dior. President Trump signing an executive order reimposing many sanctions on Iran three months after pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal. He says the U.S. policy is to levy maximum economic pressure. Today, he restated his opinion that the 2015 International Accord to freeze Iran's nuclear program in return for lifting sanctions was a horrible one-sided deal. He says it left the I- Iran, that is, flush to uh, with cash, that is, to use to fuel the conflict in the Middle East. President Trump also signed an executive order to help free up federal funds in California to battle and help recover from disastrous wildfires. Around 17 fires still burning. 11 people died in shootings, at least 70 injured over the weekend in Chicago. The increased violence has several demanding for the resignation of Mayor Rahm Emanuel. And on Wall Street, the Dow closing up today 40 to close at 25,502. This is SRN News. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. It's probably been about 10 years ago. I had quite a few credit cards. The interest on the cards was really high. I was making the minimum payments, but barely. And it was just getting to be too much, so I called Trinity. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976 to talk to a certified counselor. They met with me, and they were able to get all of my credit cards in one lower payment. Trinity will consult your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment. Put a stop to late fees and over-limit charges. Reduce your interest and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. They did help me learn how to manage my money. Now, you know, we have a house and we're doing a lot better. If your debt has you down, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. My name is Holly and I am debt-free for keeps. 1-800-990-6976. Dennis Prager finds the left exaggerates science. The left lies about so many things that at a, at a given point, I simply believe that they're crying wolf. Everything's an existential threat. The left uses science to promote its agendas and uh, that they get scared unbelievably easily. The Dennis Prager Show, weekdays at noon, right before Michael Medved at 3 on AM 1250. The Answer. From coast to coast, from sea to shining sea, it's a beautiful country out there. Discover it all in a new RV from Camping World, America's number one RV dealer. At your local Camping World, you'll find over 350 new RVs in stock, an ever-changing selection from America's top brands, including favorites like Coleman and Mallard of every class and size, all at wholesale prices. Say hello to a whole new world. Visit CampingWorldOfPittsburgh.com. Pennsylvania's union kowtowing prevailing wage law is an albatross around the neck of Keystone State taxpayers, good governance, free market competition, and economic growth. As the Allegheny Institute for Public Policy recently noted, if public projects are unnecessarily expensive, state and local governments are unable to tackle as many projects as they could and should. Learn more about why the state's prevailing wage law should be abolished at AlleghenyInstitute.org where conventional thinking is challenged every day. The Family Fun Expo and back-to-school celebration Saturday, August 18th presents one last time to have fun as a family before the craziness of school kicks in. From 11 to 4 p.m., bring your family to Princecape Arena, formerly South Point Isoplex, and enjoy tons of kids' activities, games, and prizes throughout the day, plus food, entertainment, exhibitors, and more. Visit TheAnswerPGH.com for more details, family-friendly pricing, and to register. Sponsored by The Answer, Princecape Arena, and the Bible Chapel. From college choice to scholarships to internships, there's a lot riding on those SAT and ACT scores. I'm Christopher Rico, and at Tricycle Learning Company, I'll show you ways to increase those scores and maximize your college opportunities. I'll teach you how to approach the test by breaking it into its basic elements, showing you how to convert stress into motion, along with tips and tricks to get you through and improve your score. Move forward with Tricycle Learning. For individual or group sessions, visit tricyclelearning.com today. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. We've been seeing very heavy delays on the Parkway East outbound Boulevard of the Allies out to Edgewood, Swissvale. Also on the outbound Parkway West, that's slow from Parkway Center Drive to Carnegie and a jam up outbound 28. Starting around Veterans Bridge to the Highland Park Bridge, an accident right near the Highland Park Bridge. And after yesterday's freight train derailment got some cleanup, shutting down 837 between Arlington Avenue and the Fort Pitt Bridge. Also shutting down the Smithfield Street Bridge. I'm Johnny Robinson on AM 1250, The Answer. AM 1250, The Answer, Weather.
Muggy tonight with patchy clouds, a low of 69 degrees. We'll stay humid tomorrow with clouds and some sunshine mixed in. A couple of showers and a thunderstorm with a high of 84. Another shower, thunderstorm in the area tomorrow night, staying quite sticky, a low of 68 degrees. And variable cloudiness for another humid day on Wednesday. Another shower or thunderstorm around with an afternoon high of 78. I'm meteorologist Steve Travis on AM 1250, The Answer. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, most of the college football teams are in training camp right now. Classes start in a few weeks and the... Uh, the combination of big money, intense competition for good players, and high schools that hand out what amount to fraudulent diplomas um, has turned college football into one big lie, uh, in many cases anyway. College football, uh, a long time ago, and I'm even old enough to remember this, uh, was about college students playing football. Now it's about football players posing as students, in, in most cases, at the, at the top programs. And black players are failing at it to a much larger degree than white players. Shannon Watkins of the James G. Martin Center for Academic Renewal wrote a piece with the headline, Are Black Males Failing to Graduate Because of Racism? She's with us now. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Now, um, I, I guess the, my question would be for you, how big is the difference between the number of black athletes and white athletes who graduate, and well, I, I think I guess we limit this to the the Power Five conferences, the big boys. Right, right. Um, well, according to the most recent data, um, and it, it can depend on um, on what year you're looking at, but the most recent data, um, black men were about fifty six percent of um, men's basketball teams and fifty five percent of men's football teams. But your question was. How how much do they differ in graduation rates? Was that correct? Yeah, how, how, just the difference between the number of black athletes and white athletes who graduate. Right. Well, I don't have the uh, I don't have the system wide uh, stats on me right now, but I know at one of one Power Five conference school is UNC Chapel Hill, mm-hmm. and the difference in graduation rates um, are as follows: male black male athletes graduate at forty three percent. And that is much lower than the average student-athlete graduation rate, which is 69%. Yeah, um, and you write that it's hard to imagine that uh, academia, you write, will will address this issue honestly of this disparity between black and white and success, basically, in in college, academically. Right, Mm mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Why, why would they? Why would it be hard to imagine that uh, they're not going to that they would address it honestly? Well, for one, there's been uh, several. I mean, a history of academic scandals uh, at these Power Five schools, uh, and it's partly because uh, these high revenue sports such as basketball or football um, are highly competitive, and schools have an incentive to make sure that they have the best athletes. Uh, regardless of their academic standing. Um, and there's just been a poor track record um, in general of them prioritizing academic p- preparedness over their athletic ability. Yeah, and I, I, believe me, covering sports as long as I have, I've seen it and talked about it a lot. And the NCAA, when they have their basketball tournament, they insist on always referring to They will not refer to a player as a player. He will be a student-athlete. And right. they they walk around trying to act like they are really concerned about academics, and the numbers just don't support it, do they? No, no, they do not. Um, I know, for instance, at UNC Chapel Hill, which is the local university to where I'm located, um, the football athletes uh, are accepted at much lower SAT scores than the average student body, and even lower than the average uh, student-athletes overall. And that's just indicative of, well, football is a very competitive, high-revenue sport. And so there's that incentive to make allowances uh, for academic preparedness. Yeah, and see, everybody knows it, but nobody admits it. And mm-hmm. um, it's, it's such an obvious thing that – and then uh, the fact that they would – 
admit a kid who does not predict as a successful college student, whether he's black or white, you predict mm-hmm. a kid is not very good at academics, and, and UNC is a pretty good school. He's not going to succeed here based on what we see here in his you know, SAT, ACT scores, grades, whatever. Let's admit him and then have him play football or basketball, which means he's tied up five days a week practicing and traveling, playing games and everything. Why would they expect it to, to succeed? Why would a kid to succeed academically under those circumstances? I, I have no idea. It's really hard to imagine why. Um, it's true that they do provide uh, additional tutoring services, um, but still, at the same time, the average uh, high-revenue sport athlete has to train 40, at least 40 hours a week. And so if a student who's already admitted um, below the average academic preparedness of the student body in general, and on top of that, they have to train for 40-plus hours a week, and then in addition to compete and sometimes travel and miss classes, it's really confounding as to how they, they do think that students will succeed academically. And I'm not surprised, uh, according to your piece, that at least I think this is what I got out of it, is that after studying this and trying to come up with a reason why these numbers are so uh, – uh, they're just the, – the, the unequal level of graduation and success academically is, uh, is attributed to racism, of course. And that's what I – and that – is that basically what the study that you uh, wrote about found? Yes. Stereotypes? That, that does and- seem, yes, it seems to be that the main explanation from both the author of that study, uh, a, this USC professor, yeah. um, and also uh, UNC Topple officials, um, they seem to believe that the underlying uh, primary problem is that students, black student athletes, are subject to, yes, racism, stereotyping, uh, low expectations, and the like. Now, I don't know if you know the answer to this or if you found this out talking to the people who did this study. How would racism affect it? I mean, based on what? A stereotype, lower expectations. I don't get that. What? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you have well, lower expectations, that doesn't – the fact that your expectations are lower doesn't affect the actual production. Maybe you're justified well, they, in having low expectations because of their academic <laughs> predictions. Well, well, yeah, they would, they would, uh, they would argue with that point. They would say um, that, for instance, uh, maybe the football, uh, the football athlete—he's just a big guy who doesn't really have many brains, and he just, you know, big and awkward. And you know, if there's those sort of stereotypes that that athlete perceives from his surroundings, whether it's his classmates or, or professors or administrators, that can affect his, I guess, it's argument, it can affect his motivation or oh. self-esteem, well, that, and then that in turn will affect how he he performs academically. I'd say that's pretty that. weak, uh, wouldn't you? I mean, that's a pretty weak... <laughs> well, yes. I, <laughs> yes, mean, I agree with you. Uh, that... that Compared to having a low SAT score, which predicts well, no matter what color the kid is, if you have X, num- whatever the number is on your SATs, somebody mm-hmm. in the academic uh, department, in the admissions department, looks at that and says, ah, I don't think this kid's ready for UNC. I don't think he can handle it. Maybe he should try somewhere else. Right. And, 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 and the color has nothing to do with it. It's a number. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, right. And, of course, there are there are other um, people within this vein of, of thinking who would say that the SAT, the fact that the SAT scores lower is also a sign of racism. And then that, that's a whole other case. Oh, yeah, the, the so. test is, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I've heard that, yeah, and I don't know about that mm-hmm. argument. I, 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 mm-hmm. I've heard that for a long time. I, I'm, I don't know, I don't have a real strong opinion on that, but uh, even mm-hmm. if that's the case, um, if, if, the, <laughs> if the test score predicts not, uh, a, a lack of success academically, and regardless of what the reason is for predicting it, whether it's a, 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 a biased test, and you get in and you still don't do well academically, then the test may have still done a pretty good job of predicting, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, it, the SAT has been proven to um, have a, highly, a high success rate of predicting in general, 
Mm -hmm. uh, academic preparedness. Um, the research is pretty solid on that end. And so it is true that, uh, in general, if a, if a student who has a 900, for, for instance, on the, on the SAT, if, if he or she is admitted to a university where the average, like at UNC Chapel Hill, is around a 1300, they're just going to, they're already, um, starting off way behind, uh, the general student population. Yeah. Uh, they're way behind, and then they say, "And by the way, you have to be at foot. You have to be at the in the weight room tomorrow at six a.m. Mm -hmm. And then practice exactly. after school is you know uh, uh, from from four to six, and then uh, then you get to study, and then go to class, and then go to practice, and then get up at six. And but we want your grades. We want you to do as well as the people who actually predict that they can do well in school. It's such a joke to me, uh, Shannon, and we're talking to Shannon uh, Watkins of the James G. Martin Center for Academic Renewal down in North Carolina. You know, right down there, uh, down the road from you in North Carolina, and this, this didn't get nearly enough attention from the media, which I, I, um, I, I've blamed my friends in the sports media for a long time for uh, not paying enough attention to this, not just this specific case, but in general academics and how black kids especially are exploited by these schools and then tossed off uh, and the media and the fans and everybody, they're entertained, but these kids are getting, they're getting screwed. Um, North Carolina, as I'm sure you're aware, they were admitting kids who could not read to play basketball right. and football. Um, mm -hmm. And when they when the woman reported it she was a counselor reported that they were sending kids to her that were basically illiterate and some of them could read a little bit some were actually unable to read they they trashed her isn't that what happened down there um yes i i did not report on this incident cause yeah. it happened a few years um yeah. before i came here but yeah. yes my understanding is that um she was trying to uh expose some of these concerns or uh, unethical practices of whether or not this, what what the average reading level was of these students. I believe it was below an eighth grade reading level. Yeah. If I, if I well, she had, she had one kid who um, said he wanted her to teach her how to read, him how to read. Mm -hmm. He was a football player because he wanted to be able to read about himself on Sundays in the paper after mm -hmm. he played on Saturday. He couldn't do it. Oh, my goodness. He was on a college oh campus. Now, I have mm -hmm. another question here, and I don't, again, I don't know how much, you know, I know you do a lot of work in this area, not necessarily all with sports, um, but because race is involved here, it gets touchy for everybody. Um, and sometimes they, people will say, well, it's, it's, it's a black-white thing. It's a, you know, you, if the black kid doesn't... Um, Qualify, then it's, he's taking a scholarship away from a white kid, and that's why people are concerned. White people tend to uh, be concerned because they think a white kid is getting bumped out by a black kid who's not qualified. But I, I think, and I want you to comment on this, um, you're, you're not dealing just with black-white. You're dealing with black-qualified and black-unqualified. So a black kid who's really good at football or basketball but doesn't show any indication whatsoever of being able to succeed academically is given the scholarship over a kid who's not quite as good in football or basketball but is obviously a better candidate to succeed academically. So it's not just a black-white thing. It's a qualified-unqualified thing. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, I would say that's, that's, I mean, regardless of race, that's what should be uh, focused on. Uh, universities are meant to educate students, and that's their primary fundamental mission. And so you want to, um, especially at a more competitive school academically, as UNC Chapel Hill, one would hope that they would uh, focus on admitting students who are going to thrive academically at their institution. Um, and so that should be the primary focus of admission. Now, what would, should it, sh is the only way to fix it to, uh, to give it all to the admissions department? In other words, you apply here just the way you would as any other student, athlete or not, and we'll look at your qualifications and we'll make a decision. What if they did it blindly and you, they didn't know whether the kid was a good football or basketball player? Well, I would say that I would say that'd be ideal at this point um, because there's just there's so much there's so many incentives um, when uh, when athletic talent comes into the equation. I'm I'm not 
completely anti-sports in, in education. Uh-huh. I believe they can encourage team spirit and a healthy sense of competitiveness. But as we've seen, it just all too often comes at the expense of academics. If there is a way to prioritize, um, like you said, in, in blind athletic admissions, um, then maybe that would be a, a way to resolve this issue. That would be a way to do it, Shannon, but it ain't never going to happen. I, 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 <laughs> too much money involved. I, I appreciate you being here, Shannon. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, that's Shannon Watkins, and uh, we'll be right back. This is Mike Howard, General Sales Manager at Salem Media Pittsburgh. You've heard me recruit for salespeople for quite a while now, always looking for professionals who just have to be in the sales arena because they love the hunt for new business, have those antennas up, and just simply know how to get appointments. Well, I'm here to tell you that is still exactly what I am looking for, but not just to be in radio. Salem Media Pittsburgh truly is much more, so much so that all of our team's titles have changed to Integrated Marketing Strategist. What that means is we now incorporate everything regarding digital marketing into our daily services, from web design to social media and reputation management, plus all things digital marketing, including retargeting, Facebook, SEO and SEM, and much more. So if the sales skills I mentioned before apply to you, plus you have a knack or even experience in digital marketing sales, you definitely need to contact us. Would you do that, please? Log on to SalemMedia.com and click the Careers link and search Pittsburgh to apply. People come in with health concerns, and we try to address those at the root cause. At the Medicine Shops in Oakmont and Penn Hills, nurse practitioner Joyce Gibb has conducted over 3,000 consultations with pharmacist, mentor, and friend Joe DiMatteo. I actually got my nurse practitioner in family practice, and I've always wanted to practice getting to the root cause because in family practice, I felt like I was giving a pill for the ill. It's always pharmaceutical-based. You really didn't get to the main problem that caused the symptom. Just an example of you have heartburn. There's many reasons for acid reflux or heartburn, and some of those reasons could be not enough hydrochloric acid, where traditional medicine blocks that, and as we age, our body typically doesn't even make enough as it should to break down our food. A lot of people want to get off their proton pump inhibitors, and we had a little protocol to wean that very slowly so they don't have rebound heartburn. Call for a consultation today. The Medicine Shop in Oakmont and Penn Hills. 888-865-9595. Getting close to retirement? Experienced a nice Trumponomics bump in your portfolio? We know the market goes up, and unfortunately, we also know it goes down. Don't risk your retirement to market whims. Learn how you can lock in those gains today by spending time with the team at Marley Financial. Todd Marley and the experts at Marley Financial can help you design a retirement plan that is bulletproof against the market's ups and downs. The team at Marley Financial uses a multitude of different techniques to make sure that you have a retirement plan that is tax-friendly, stable, and worry-free. Oh, and speaking of taxes, did you know that Marley Financial can handle that too? With all the changes in the tax laws, be sure you're taking advantage of the best possible deduction and make sure you know what adjustments to make for your overall financial picture going forward. Call today for a no-obligation consultation to see just how for 25 years the clients at Marley Financial have never had a retirement plan fail. Call 724-884-1496 today. 724-884-1496 or visit them at marleyfg.com. How much do you spend on your pest control each year? $200, $300, or even $500 or more? What if I said you could spend less than $25 a year, even less with promo code RADIO20? Then listen up. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest Free, and yes, it is possible to rid your home or business of unwanted pests for less than $25 per year. The answer is Plug-In Pest Free. Our best seller, the Plug-In Pest Free Pro, will cover up to 4,000 square feet. Now that's fair income. For just a one-time cost of only $249, even less with promo code RADIO20, you'll be pest-free for years to come. Log on to gopestfree.com today. Use promo code RADIO20 and start driving those pests away. Don't spray and regret. Plug in and forget. gopestfree.com. That's go. PestFree.com, promo code RADIO20. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, we just uh, finished a segment on college 
and you know, I, I, I like to do, I'd like to do this almost, well, a lot anyway, in the last segment. But um, somebody did a piece for the Journal of Feminist Geography. Okay, now I wouldn't have seen this because I only read, of course, the Journal of Masculine Geography. I don't want to know about feminist geography. But this woman uh, did a piece, uh, and it was peer reviewed. And it says, dog parks further the rape culture and oppressive patriarchal norms. Uh, The article is titled, Human Reactions to Rape Culture by Helen Wilson. Uh, It's actually human reactions to rape culture and queer performativity at urban dog parks in Portland, Oregon. This woman, uh, Helen Wilson, claims there was one dog rape slash humping incident every 60 minutes. And she got something out of that. A dog park, she says, are microcosms where hegemonic masculinist norms governing queering behavior and compulsory heterosexuality can be observed in a cross-species environment. This is somebody who went and watched 1,000 hours of people at dog parks and came away with these conclusions. Wilson also calls dog parks oppressive spaces that lock both humans and animals into hegemonic patterns of gender conformity, adding oppressive patriarchal norms reach zenist in dog parks. This is what she. This is this is what's been. This is academia for you. Now she claimed to be a PhD, have a PhD in feminist studies, and uh, is the lead researcher of Portland Ungendering Research. That's what it's called, Ungendering Research. So they looked it up and they found out that, that, well, they couldn't find any proof that she had a Ph.D. And it was up there on, and if you want to check out, it's good reading for you. If you're, uh, you know, looking for something to read tonight, check out the Journal of, <laughs> of Feminist <laughs> Geography. And um, on this, you won't find this piece, but uh, you can find other pieces on there that are just, just as moronic. And you might get a good laugh. And... We will be keeping uh, tabs on the Journal of Feminist Geography because it'll give us material every single day if we want it. The stupidity is mind-boggling. We'll have more for you in the days ahead, I'm sure. Thanks for listening to the John Stoggerwald Show right here, and I'll see you tomorrow. The John Stoggerwald Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.